All right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the DJs, Two DJs in a Mic podcast, the first episode. And we have Mr. Tashawn Jackson on the show today, y'all. Uh, I'm not sure what, what's your DJ name, Tashawn? Tashawn Jackson. <laughs> All right. Mr. Jackson. So we thought Mr. Jackson would be a great, great person to have on because uh, he's a photographer. And he also dabbles into the DJ side of it. So we wanted to ask him some questions as a photographer because he probably has a totally different perspective than we do on the DJ side, uh, coming from the other side, being a photographer. So we wanted to try to dive into his brain and get his perspective on being a DJ uh, after being a photographer. So question number one comes from me. I was like, uh, what made you want to become a DJ after being in the industry as a photographer? What made you want to dive into the DJ side? Well, it wasn't part of my plan, but you know, growing up, I've always loved music to begin with. Like music is always my thing. I mean, the arts itself was not strange to me. I grew up, you know, drawing and painting and just music. I played the piano as a kid. I wasn't good at it, but you know, I can still, play something if an emergency you need me to play something i can maybe get a couple you know notes in there but my wife's a wedding planner and i think it was 2014 she was doing either an anniversary or retirement something and there was a dj there and i'm kind of paying attention and before that i used to play the drums at my church so again i I like instruments because i think when you drums you control the you know percussion you control people's tempo and what they do as photographer you you document the moments and memories they look back upon it they feel good about it so it's always part of the control thing right the narrative and Mm -hmm. so i'm watching dj and i'm like i could do that (laughs) and i remember talking to him afterwards he's like asked about his tools he's using he's like yeah get this little new mark i'm like cool i went to uh, amazon bought me a new mark mixed track and again i didn't know much about how the tools operate i just know he had a tool and i bought it and it didn't have any um attachments for it it's just a usb that's it you could there's no rca there's no nothing in there and i was i was practicing for a long time i used it just and the periscope came out in 2015 and i fridays i would do like a friday afternoon traffic mix and I played live on Periscope in 2015. And after that, I started just playing more on Facebook Live before that was a thing. So, but I'm, I'm, I need to get to the meat of this. I'm going to ask you, so what at that moment, seeing him, made you think that you wanted to get into DJing? Because I like how he was playing music. Okay, so you liked how he was playing the music, how he was controlling the crowd. So that that tempted you, okay, I can dive into this and see if I can do it. So that's what made you want to dive into it. Yeah, and because I was doing playing drums at the time, mm-hmm. it was like the percussion, I'm hearing the percussions in the music. I'm like, and people are dancing to the beat. I'm like, I can do that. And, I, and I'm not sure if I was even serious about it or not. I just felt like I could do it. So after talking to him and he told me what to buy, I was like, He's a DJ. He tells me to buy this. And he told me to buy the wrong board, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't tell you to buy the wrong board. He just, is that what he was using at the time? I don't even know. He just told me, I said, what should I buy? He said, buy this Newmark mix track. Here's the model thing. And I guess it was cool because I learned on it. Yeah. But there was no Q button either. I don't think there was a Q feature. I couldn't really hear. It was strange. 
Okay. So it's in the I think it's in the garage somewhere. Okay. Like, I so do. You, so do you think he told you that because he may have felt like you were a novice? I have no idea. I mean, because I knew nothing about DJing. Um, I had friends of mine growing up; they would DJ, but I didn't show an interest in it other than my love for music. So you were in DFW in twenty at that time, right? Yeah. 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 So now I'm I'm gonna go three deep on you and ask this question. So why didn't you reach out to? Did you know any other DJs in the industry, like say Lance or any or? Nope. I knew. <laughs> Only DJ I knew was my my, my Jamaican DJ friend who sp- spins um you know vinyl. Okay. But again, I wasn't really interested in DJing at the time. I just saw the DJ at the party. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> and yeah. and at that time, I was still newer in my photography career. 2014, yeah, I was I went full time in 2013. So I was still getting my sea legs, trying to get my foundation set. Okay. All right. Nobody knew me in Dallas Fort Worth at the time. I was working outside of DFW. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, the good thing with this is it really gives you a better perspective, you know, in regards to, you know, some of the things that people may hear you say and think that you are not qualified to say them. You know, when when you hear someone's backstory and see where it originated, you have a better understanding. Because a lot of times people don't ask questions. They just assume, you know, something. So that's that's really interesting to to hear that. Yeah. So like I said, me doing Facebook lives in 2015 and Periscope when people weren't paying attention to me, like the industry wasn't paying attention, but my friends were paying attention. Consumers Mm. were paying attention to me. Dallas DJs weren't looking at me because they all this, they saw was me being a photographer. So I'm doing Facebook Lives. Nobody was doing Facebook Lives. Yeah, yeah, and I can identify with that because once when Facebook Live first came about, I was doing an online radio uh, show, and it was like in beta. Only certain people can do it, and we would go online for like it only allowed you to go about anywhere from five to ten minutes straight on Facebook live and it would shut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, a lot of people wasn't aware of that back then. And you're right. We definitely didn't know you were on Periscope, but, hey, but that's, that's cool. So, yeah. all right, Mike, go ahead. Okay. So my first question for you is what was your biggest obstacle in learning how to DJ? Beat matching was something I didn't know how to do. And I went to University of YouTube. <laughs> Figure it out. Did you get your degree? I got my degree. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah. And when you say it was hard or or it was a problem for you, what was the problem? Just uh, not knowing. What was the problem? Just not knowing. You know, I can, again, because I understand music, I could count beats but mm-hmm. not understand the technical side or the mechanical side of actually doing it on, on the platter. Okay. Okay. So knowing where to start, knowing yes. where to stop, you yep. know, knowing how to adjust the, the tempo. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where I'm like, again, my first board, I couldn't really do much as an amateur on it because I didn't understand what things meant. And the circle things I you spent, you know, back and forth, <laughs> what was button mean? I don't know. 
So when you upgraded, did it become easier? It became easier with more practice. No, I'm talking about with your next board. Did it become easier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, because understanding, you know, this button cues the next song. I hear it playing in my ear. The audience can't hear it or it doesn't come out of the speaker. Understanding how things starting to work became easier over time. So I have to ask this question, Mike. Let me buddy in for one second. So from the time you bought your first controller to the time you felt like you were comfortable and able to mix and could do it in front of the audience, how long did it take? The board, first of all, the first board in 2014, I didn't upgrade until 2017. I went to a friend of mine. He told me, I told him the board I had. He was like, bro, no, (laughs) no. He said, why are you still new? Buy this one. It was a DDG SB2, I believe. Uh huh. He's like, mm-hmm. so at the dinner table, I went to Amazon and bought it. And that was 2017. So do you think you really started to go to school in 2017? And from yes. that time on, on, how long did it actually take you to where I feel like I can DJ or I can put 10 songs together or do a mix? You know, how long did it take? I got the board, I think that spring. By the fall, I was like, they had even had the DJ competition. I felt like I've been practicing. I can compete. Okay. So within, within six months, I was like, I told myself, because I've been practicing, I was re- learning, I was recording through a, um, a Zoom recorder on my computer because I wasn't paying for the pro version of Serato. So you couldn't record internally. So I was recording my mixes to kind of hear what I'm playing. I listen to it and find my mistakes and I would do it again. So when I'm driving, I listen, only listen to my, my music that I recorded. So you're saying six months practicing continuously, you were able to learn how to beat, match, and mix. I, I competed at a DJ competition and waxed the competition while they cheated me. I still waxed them. <laughs> yeah. And that's and what I knew. That's when I knew I could do this because these people that's doing this stuff, they're not as, it's not that hard with time. And how often did you practice? Every day. I was on my board every day practicing. Ask my wife. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing in that, Jeff, uh, is is you did you did a couple of things that's vital or very important as a DJ, especially learning how to DJ. One, you practice repeatedly. Two, you recorded what you did and you went back and listened to it and you corrected those mistakes. Preach. So. So what some may not understand is those two things that you did allowed you to move in warp speed and your understanding of music as a percussionist helped you. Oh, oh my goodness. Boy, you said a mouthful right there for the, uh, for the veterans that's been doing it for 10, 12 years that haven't taken six months. We, we're going we're gonna to get great you on a scale and maybe say a year, but six months to a year to learn how to beat match. And you're a photographer. So uh, we're going to get raunchy and raw. That's, it's a no excuse for the rest of those who refuse to learn how to do the one element of the craft that I feel like you need to be a DJ. So, but after that, I'm going to move on to question two. After getting a few weddings under your belt, do you still want to be a DJ? Well, for one, I'll let, I'll let me set a record straight. I'm not a DJ. I'm a music enthusiast. But you've DJed and you've okay. done weddings, okay. so you are a DJ. You're, you, you, you can't take it back. Once you do something, you're a DJ. Can, can I please say this? 
Well, I just want to interject. What do you mean by being a musical enthusiast? What defined that? And how does that uh, how does that uh, uh, bring about you being a DJ? Or how does that correlate? Okay, so for me, music is therapy, right? The yes. times I play music, I get goosebumps. I'm jumping up, playing my music. I'm looking at my hands, there's goosebumps there. That's the love of music. I'm enthusiastic about it. DJing is like, well, it's a technical term. For me, it's just the love I have for music. It just me, I just enjoy doing it so much. Okay. If you tell me, hey, we're having an event here, would you come play? I'll come play for free if you let me play what I want to play. Okay. You set up my stuff for me, I'll come because I don't care about the money. I'm just there because I love music so much. That's why I come. Okay. So, what you're trying to say is you kind of feel like being a music enthusiast. If you come and do it because you love what you're doing and you're doing something, uh, the ones that are getting paid more. So if we're getting paid, that's when you feel like you're more of a DJ, but if you're doing it for the love of it, you kind of not really, uh, into the DJ realm though. Right. Yeah, Cause I think, you know, yes, to a degree, I think calling yourself a DJ, that's like a legitimate, like career. It's a real title. There's a lot that goes along with it that I might not always know this. I don't know this thing like I know my photography. Okay. But I can put music together. I can read a crowd, especially in my, my lane is the more cultural lane as well. Well, I I love my nineties hip hop and RB stuff. I mean, but it's just one of those things where being a DJ, I don't want to disrespect that the industry itself, I call myself a DJ. Okay. So, but even with that, do you still want to do it and do weddings that are in your lane, in your culture? Oh, ab- absolutely. Wonder- okay. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. right. I've only done one full wedding. Have I done, as a photographer, I will say I have assisted DJs at weddings. When they were bombing, I came in and rescued the party. <laughs> Cultural weddings. Please elaborate more on okay, that. So, for example, had a wedding in a certain part of the country. And they had a band. The band was doing great. The wedding was a multicultural wedding, American and Caribbean. Doing the bride getting ready, she was listening to my mix. Okay? I know know music she loves, so I had a mix prepared. She's having a good time. And while the band was doing a great job, I think there are levels to a party. And during the dinner service, I told the the band, I said, if you want to take this party up a notch, I have my laptop I can connect things into the sound. We can, you know, get a party to the next level. He's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, because this is a Caribbean culture here that you're not really catering to. He said, right, cool. I'll let you know when I'm, I'm shooting the reception. He comes to me. He's like, you ready to take over? I'm like, word, you ready? I said, let's go. I connected my laptop and the party went from like a seven to like a 12. <laughs> it was so good. Like, it was time for the parties to be done, and they're begging, "No, we need, we want to keep going, we want to keep going." Okay. Um, and and as a DJ, number one thing is knowing how to reach a crowd and knowing what they want. And sometimes we don't always know that. Yeah, and again, they were doing a good job, but I understood there's levels. Yeah. Okay. Even this one here, they hired a, another DJ, and my team was shooting the wedding. The the bride hired my associate team to shoot it. I'm like, cool. I'll come into just show up to add more value. I did some photography sporadically throughout the day here and there and time for the reception to start. And I'm noticing his setup was just like, I had questions like, yeah, this is not going to be a good party. 
and I'm watching and people who nobody knew me, they knew I do my music. And they were like, do you have your control in your car? I'm like, I do. I said, I'm not going to disrespect this DJ. He's, he's doing his thing. His thing is not that effective. And again, I'm respecting he's there as the hired music person. And I said, bro, um, do you need some help? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling here. I said, say less. I got my stuff in the car. I go to my trunk. I pull out, bring my controller, you know, set up. And the party went from like a four to a 15. <laughs> so I, I understood the crowd. Yes. So let me ask you this. Uh, so do you always roll with the controller? <laughs> I usually do. Because <laughs> you never know who's in need of help. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but again, those are my first two that I've done that with. Anybody else? Yeah, there's other been weddings I'm shooting. I had to like go to my my portal and some, hey, get stuff from here. Let me help you out. Here's my Dropbox. Come on, because the, the wedding in in Florida, the couple, she he came in from France, France or London, because now he's France, he's French, but family's West Indian. And the DJ, I was like, you need to understand culture. Don't just take a wedding for the money. Understand culture if you're going to take a cultural wedding. So he had to go to my portal to get my music to really get the party elevated. Wow. So I have a follow-up for for what you just said. And how, when you're approaching these guys, how, how did they respond? He was fine. Because if you're struggling, you know you're struggling. If somebody gives you a life vest, you're not going to say, let me go drown. Let me hang on to this lifeline real fast and, and make this party going. Yeah. And the reason why I ask that is kind of interesting because some people, they're so arrogant and so egotistical that when you approach them, you know, the look in their eyes, it's like they got fire in their eyes. And, 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 you know, the two examples that you've given us have been examples that are not from here. You know, you know, they've been in different places. And I'm wondering, OK, maybe those guys have a different. No, the one was here. One was here. Oh, one, was, okay. one, was at, one was at the venue in McKinney. But okay. they had one, another one in Fort Worth. Hmm. OK, that's interesting. The, the DJ, it was so he DJed the bride's dad's wedding. That's how old the DJ was. Nothing against the old oh. DJ. Okay? Nothing against, against that because okay. Okay. if you're good, really good, you're good no matter how old you are, right? Yeah, absolutely. But the bride, she was she like she was crying. He was so bad. I said, yo, I can help you. Like, there's a playlist that I can have you play. He was so arrogant. He was like, no, I'm controlling. I'm, I'm like, this bride is crying. That's how suck you are right now. Mm. Who wants to have a bride crying because she can't enjoy her music? Nobody. Nobody. I'm like, I'm giving you a lifeline that can make you look like a star. I'm not even going to do nothing. Just here. Wow. Here's a playlist. Just play this joint. Wow. It's not recorded. Wow. Mm. Yeah, but it's just one of those things. So, again, I'm not there to disrespect no professional. But if I see you sh- visually struggling, the dance floor is empty, people are complaining. <laughs> I can, I'm giving you a lifeline. It's not about me. We're all on the same team. Yeah. So what is it? 
So what is it about DJing that you relate to, that you relate with the most? I love a good party, right? I love a good party. I love feeling, music makes me feel good. Again, when I'm playing and I get goosebumps, it tells me I'm doing something good. Goosebumps doesn't happen just because you're cold. <laughs> oh, no. no. No puns intended, right? But this one was, I just love it. Yeah. I love when people are dancing, enjoying themselves. Because there's a the same DJ who, who took me to dinner, told me, told me to upgrade, upgrade my board. In 2015, that December in Barbados, while he talked about music, I've never experienced music the way he made me feel. He, he made me feel like this is how music should be played. I, it felt real. It felt good. It felt authentic. It was just perfect. That's the first time I experienced music like that before. And it was a DJ Mark Battle. I was like, well, damn. Like, DJs need to, like, take notes. Because he does things that's different than the average DJ does. And I told him, I spoke to him on Clubhouse last, last December, or last month. I said, hey, the first thing I did, completely, I stole a page from your book. He said, what do you mean? I told him, I did things that was not expected. Cocktail hour and doing the dinner while they play dinner music. I played hot songs, got people tapping their feet, wanting to dance while they're having dinner. I said, I'm not saving it to the end. What if they run out of time? He said, yeah, that's smart. He said, I play songs that's hot. Why you want to, you know, do it on the dance floor? You're going to do it while you're eating your dinner. Mm, interesting. Interesting. There's so many hot songs out there. Why limit it to the dance floor? Get them yeah. primed while they're eating that dinner. Bowtie does a good job doing that himself. I saw him do that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think Mike does that too. He says he has yeah. uh, a list that he builds too. Thank you. So I'm going, I'm going to incorporate because, you know, normally I'm trying to, I don't know. It, uh, I'm going to definitely take that under advisement and I might just go hang out with Bowtie and see how he does things or Mike one of these days and check him out of the way. Just yeah. see, change that up. But I think I try to shape mine to whatever the couple tells me they want it to be. You know, you want to, most of them, they want to save it. So, you know, you just try to do what your couple tells you. And then, yeah, go ahead. So when it comes to that, right? Like the couple I had, when we, we had, first had the conversation, I said, what do you want? Do you want to have, you want to be sweating by the night's done? You want to have a great time? Cool. That's why you want, that's what, say, that, say that to me, right? That's why you want to have a good time. You want to just make sure you can beg the venue for an extra hour. That's the type of part you want. Okay. Absolutely. Every and let time. me control. Let me tell me the songs that you like. I'm going to control everything after that. I don't, I'm going to play it when I want to play it, not when you want me to play it. You're the, the, the client. I'm the professional. Okay. So I'm going to play when I want to play it, not when you want me to play it. Yeah. Because you don't understand the music like I do. Yeah. So moving on to the next question, and you kind of hit on all of these already. So I was going to ask you when you decided you wanted to start. Uh, DJing, where did you start? You kind of told me you started when you saw that one DJ, got your little new mark board. And the next part was the equipment music. Did you ever get another mentor besides the guy that told you to buy the uh, upgraded board or upgrade your board? Yeah, uh, Lance. Lance, In fact, Lance encouraged me to compete in the DJ battle. Okay. I sent him a text. I'm like, the battle's coming up. Should I take part? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, because the industry had never seen me before i've only done this through my own network of people on facebook live 
or the industry hadn't really said anything to me about it. You know what I mean? I'm, maybe they saw my lies, but never commented. So I don't know, but it was my first time in public. So I was very, I was mad nervous. Like I'm going to show up to the DJ thing. They're going to like, what the hell is he doing here? He's a photographer. But Lance really encouraged me. It, for like my first start, I would say Lance was the one person outside of Mark who, you know, told me to upgrade was the first one that really helped me out. And I had to reach out. Like he sent me like a billion text messages. You know, when I have one question, that's Lance for you though. He gives you a lot of information. He'll like <laughs> fill you up with all the information you need. Yeah. Sensory overload. Yeah, but it's cool. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But he was the one that really helped spark with that DJ battle. But since at that point, have you reached out to others, or do you have other mentors, or do you? Um, are you picking up? I'm sure you're still picking up things uh, as you're a photographer, but is there anybody else you're reaching out to that's helping you? Yes, yeah, so the people that's helped me: Lance, Bowtie, Andre, Patrick. Like, like a lot of technical things. Patrick's very technical. Him and Andre, mm-hmm. so like, like technical questions. You know, Patrick will answer these questions. They've been like the the ones local that's been real resourceful. Um. Yeah, those are the main ones. Cool, cool, cool. So have you upgraded any equipment since the last time you bought your board? Have you bought anything else? Are you still I haven't bought anything else. I did my brother in law was a you know music person. He gave me a one of his boards, another pioneer. It's my backup just in case. Because I learned in photography, one is none, two is one. That's so good... I don't go anywhere without a backup of anything. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. I, have, I have speakers, yeah. I have mixers. Yeah, but it's, I just learned a lot of mistakes I made in photography, even buying things. I said, I'm not going to make those mistakes in the music space. I'm not buying things unless a client pays for it. Okay. Okay. Everything's going to be profitable from the jump. So, my next question for you is. What's your inspiration in the industry? What inspires you to reach for new heights? You know, watching couples struggle with their DJ, like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a wedding photographer, especially, you know, not all cultural weddings, but just weddings in general, to watch DJs call themselves experts and knowing they don't have a clue what's happening. It sucks for the couple to they're dancing and they got to stop for the next song to start. It's like, like you have to do better. And if you don't want to do better, I'm going to do better given the opportunity. So, so I have a follow up and, and, and I really appreciate your transparency and your frankness and, and, and I just have to dig a little deeper in regards to, when you say watching DJs and they suck, is this a common thing that you've encountered on numerous, you know, situations or in numerous situations? Do you see this often? More often than I should. Hey, explain that, please. If you, I've made several Facebook posts over the year, last year. How many weddings did I, it's just, the DJ was terrible. It's terrible. And terrible could be relative, right? For example, there's a DJ at a wedding I was at. He was playing all the right songs. Okay. 
they're dancing. But because he couldn't beat match, he's playing the song all the way through. And you know, every song, it fades out. Mm. Next song has to, you know, fades in. But the music comes to an end. So the, the party stops and pauses for two, three seconds. The next song will come in. Like, why are you stopping the party? Why are you stopping the party? Keep that joint going. Keep the tempo, keep the pace, keep the excitement happening. Go to the next song. So I have to got to jump in here on this for just a second. So when you started to learn how to DJ, you saw the importance of being able to beat, match, and mix from the beginning, right? I didn't know any other way. I'm like, oh, when I'm dancing, I want to keep dancing. How do you, how do you keep dancing? Keep the beat going. And, and just to keep going here, diving in. So have you ever went to a DJ? Because you can do it as a photographer. As a DJ, I would... I don't know how I would even approach them. I mean, I would do it, but I would probably be after. But have you ever gone to them and said, hey, man, do you not know how to beat match or why are you DJing like this? Or have you not taken the time to learn? Have you ever asked anybody that? And and have they ever given you an answer as to why that's not important to them? October 15, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I, I... <laughs> What time was it? Fact check me. I think it was a Friday, October 15th, I believe. October 15th. Uh, Is that a Friday? Fact check me. I'm going to fact check you. Go ahead. He, he was playing the right songs. Okay. But it was the pause for station identification. All right. Let's back to the party. Party again. It's a Friday. You're right. It was a Friday. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Music's playing. Let's pause for station identification. Let's get the party going again. So I was annoyed. My, my second shooter at the wedding, he was like, why are you mad, bro? He said, he's, he's visually annoyed. Because as a photographer, it hinders what I'm doing. I'm trying to shoot the party. You have to give me a second to breathe. So afterwards, I said, I told myself, don't, tell, don't talk to DJ about anything. Just let, him be, let it be. But I myself couldn't let me do it. Afterwards, I said, I had a question for you, man. <laughs> I had a question. No, no disrespect, but I'm curious. Why didn't you like match all the beats? You played all the right songs. You did a great, amazing job anyway. But I'm curious, why didn't you beat match anything? He's like, you know, at my age, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't do that. And I was like, why not? He said, I just never, you know, I don't. He's didn't say I just I never practiced that. And he's I said, how do you? He's like 50. I said, bro, I'm 41. You're not that much older than me. Okay. You're not that old. 50, you're not old. Maybe to a two-year-old. I mean, but it's not that old. But he made no he made no excuses. And I appreciated him being honest about it. He just don't know how to do it. So how did that make you feel when he said that? No, I I appreciated that he was honest. So that was yeah. I was like, you know what? This dude, he's honest. He was vulnerable. So I could take nothing from that. Or take nothing from him. Okay. But it just tells me. There are more people like him out there. They exist. And they're taking people's money, selling themselves as some professional. Hey, again, there's some people getting paid top dollar and they can't mix a bowl of cereal. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't have to, though. I mean, let's, technically, they don't have to know how to do it. Okay, They don't. They can be successful without doing it. They're, hell, they're successful now. And they can't, they play the songs all the way through. They're on Facebook with their selfies of the crowd behind them, jumping, jumping. But people don't know, you know, hey, after two seconds, there's a long pause. 
Well, like I stated in the previous podcast, and like you said, if you record your set and listen to it back and visualize, or you try to dance to it, you'll you'll know. But they don't do that because they don't want to get hit with the harsh reality of this was not good. So, like I said, I issued a challenge, and I'm waiting for the first DJ to tell me, hey, I took the challenge. I recorded my set live, and I went back and listened to it, and I was hot garbage, or I killed the mood in the room. Because you got a great dance floor going. Next thing you know, you they gone. And they, okay, yeah, I like that song. They come back. Why not take the time to learn to have a continuous flow or to learn how to one-beat mix or smoother transitions? I, I just, I don't, it, it, it to me... You, I hear so many people that even venue owners, man, you kept the crowd going. You didn't let the music die down. You put it in the mix the whole time. And I just want to say, what is everybody else doing? I mean, what are they doing? I, I just don't get it. But uh. well, you know, I would say, <clears throat> unlike playing a professional sport, we have an we're in an industry that anybody can label themselves as something. And yeah, lowercase, anybody can label themselves as something and go out there and make some money and sell themselves. And you're dealing with so many people that it seems that they don't know how a DJ should be defined or looked at or what a DJ should and shouldn't do. And the amazing thing is when you get a crowd that was exposed to toxic DJing and then they get exposed to a real DJ and it's like, you know, it's like the best time of their lives. You know, but we shouldn't have to hear that every weekend. And all I can think about while we're doing this interview or we're talking on this podcast is you saying you didn't know any other way. So why don't these other people know that and realize that and take six months to one year to learn how to do it? I think it's priorities. You know, for me, plus it, my personality is very different, right? Yeah. If, if I'm into something, I'm into it. I'm jumping all the way in. Okay. Doesn't mean I'm spending money on it, but I'm jumping all the way in to learn about it. That's the way I've always operated. It's a gift and a curse. My wife will tell you when he's in, when he's got his teeth in something, he's going to get it all the way through. Okay, you know, it, but it's, it's just concerning that people don't care to want to learn because they feel like I'm successful enough. I don't have to. I don't have to do that way. And again, that's fine. But if you want to separate yourself from a pack, you know. But again, hey, it's not about talent, right? They say talents. The book called talents not. It's, it's not talent's not enough. Okay. But I want to go from good to great. And I can't do that if I don't put in time. Again, when I'm driving in my car, I listen to two people play my mixes. If I'm in a real good mood, I'll listen to um, Kurt Hendershot, DJ K Shot. He's a, he, he's a talented DJ. That white boy can spin. I listen to stuff. Okay. But locally here, there are a lot of talent in the area. Okay. I'm not going to poop on nobody, but there's a lot of people who just aren't stepping up to the plate and doing what they should do. Okay. I mean, even on the cultural side, if you put the egos aside and just learn, this is what I did last April. Okay. 
you know, the cocktail hour, they're playing the good, good songs, right? And I, I was introducing myself to, to DJs, you know, because I would like to meet DJs. And he's like, he's talking a good game. I'm like, it's going to be a good party because he's, he's talking himself all the way up. I'm like, okay, we got a little ego. I love it because we all have egos, right? Just got to get it checked every now and then. And the bride was, her family's Kenyan and I think uh, Jamaican, I think. The groom was, where are they from? They're American. American and um, it was culture, bicultural, you know, multicultural wedding. And the party opens up and dude plays Fred Hammond's I Feel Good. And I'm like, so the bride looking like, like your face right now was like, say what? And I was like, what is this? Fred Hammond, this ain't a Fred Hammond party. But he he was supposed to play Barris Hammond, I Feel Good. Oh, my God. Wow. Details, details, details. Uh, good points in there. Humility. Uh, as we discussed last night, uh, preparedness, uh, knowing your stuff, knowing your music, research. And like you said, a lot of them are just in it for the D-O-L-L-A-R. They don't care about, you know, but then they're worried about getting bad reviews and everything, but they're not putting in the work. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. But I talked to him, you know, because I said, again, when I experienced something like that, because he was, he had high moments and a lot of low moments. And I said, you know what? You did a great job here. Have you considered X, Y, Z? Because remember, cocktail hour, he was talking a lot of, like a big game doing cocktail hour. But now, now the time for the game to start, you messing up. And he finally came to me and said, I'm newer at this. I'm more of an MC. He worked for a big box store. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm new. Because no, he didn't have a, a laptop. He didn't have a laptop. That's what he didn't have a laptop. He was using one of those boards where it's a USB plugged into it. My first thought was, there's no laptop here. This is going to be interesting. You can do that. I mean, you can, you can do that, but you, you got to be really, really, you got to know your music and where it's all at and have it extremely organized because, you know, not being able to search as fast if you had a laptop. But you can do that. I, I mean, I don't know. I might have looked at it in strange too, but I know it's yeah. possible to DJ without remember, having a, yeah. Remember, I'm not an experienced DJ like you guys are. So when I see some things, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. As somebody who's real experienced, they'd be like, oh, that's very possible. You don't need a laptop to do this. I don't know these things. Yeah. So my alerts flag like, let's check this guy out. Okay. No judgment, but again, because he's talking a good game, he has all experience. But he was a newer person without much experience, even with the thing, the board he's using. He told me, yeah. And he said, because I said, you don't understand the cultural music. He's like, I don't know that type of music. Why you? Why you? This word? <laughs> why the hell you? This word? You don't know this type of music. But you know what? That's on the brides too, man. Because you're not vetting people. You just you gotta vet your DJs too. And go ahead, Mike. Sometimes they don't know, Jeff. They don't know what to ask. Oh, but I mean, the DJ got to ask questions too. You can't money, money, I mean, money. Because I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go back to to something now. I've learned a lot about the son in these last few minutes. Now, I promise you, he brought it up to me at the awards, uh, social seek social. He said, Jeff, this couple right here, I shot their wedding and you were the DJ. I guarantee you, if I didn't do a good job, Tashawn would have remembered the date, the time, the week, the month, everything, if I didn't do a good job. But he couldn't remember. It didn't pop back in his brain. But now to listen to him, I know if I would have sucked, he would have remembered that wedding. But that's what I'm saying. So 
Why? I mean, you, I, man, I, hey, you're going to tell me something about what you want to hear. You're going to tell me about your culture. I mean, if I got to go buy a hundred songs to make sure I get your wedding right, I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to jack up nobody's day because I didn't take the time to learn. Because if you came and talked to me to Sean during that, man, I'm really nervous. I want to make sure I get this right. I did my research with the bride and the groom, but I'm still a little apprehensive because this is not completely my lane. I did my research. Hey, but if anything, you know, gets shaky tonight, hey, come back and tell me some stuff to play. I would ask, hey, man, what tracks would you jump with? You know, because I'm I'm trying to be humble. And I'm trying to do my best job. But like you said, a lot of us are not going to do that. But yeah, wow. And, and it's just you have a different motivation. We don't know what that guy's motivation is. And I have to go back to the word that you spelled out. I think he was more concerned with the dollar and talking himself up than knowing what to do or what to ask. And, you know, and it's how many times do we encounter brides and grooms that we have to educate along the way because they don't know. But he came from a big box store. So he was put to the DJ. I mean, the big company that's selling, you know, it's like, it's like, how much said the DJ company name? I won't do that. You don't have to. We already know. But I'm going to tell you to you like this. They're more on quantity than quality. They, I mean, hey, we got 500 reviews. We get five bad ones. Who cares about four or five bad reviews? And I mean, to me, that hurts the industry more than somebody being cheap because you're out there doing something. And then, you know, they're going to think, OK, well, they don't even care. Why, you know, why does it even matter who I get? So, I mean, we, I pro- we probably have a great idea who you're talking about, but that's just... Yeah. It's quantity over quality, man, and that's just not how it works. So, again, just trying to educate brides and let them know what is a good DJ or, you know, the questions to ask. Are you going to ask me what kind of music or what kind of, you know, my culture if I'm uh, from another country or anything? I, I've done Tongan. I've done Colombian. So, but I'm going to find out. I'm not going to show up and, and we're going to figure it out on the fly. I'm going to know before I get there. That's horrible. <laughs> yes, it is. But, it, but I'm going to ask my next question, and, and I think this question kind of goes, it relates to what we're talking about now. How do you define your worth as a DJ, and how does that affect your pricing? Oh, very good question. I have my sites, I have it, you know, key for some SEO, but the stuff I've been getting lately has all been referrals, word of mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the wedding I did last November. It taught me that I'm not hurting to spend on nobody's wedding for a cheap price. Okay. And I got, I got paid $2,500 to DJ this wedding. Okay. And I had to load in speakers because Andre, let me borrow his, his, his subs, right? Wedding was supposed to be at, can I say venue names? Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be at the OA, Dallas Oasis. Okay. So, Again, I have I have my my two tops. He said you can borrow my my subs. I have my mixers. I have my mic. He's actually need to borrow some more stuff. I'm like, cool. He said, come to my house, load up your wife's truck with these things. So from Andre's house, I had to load up in the truck, come back to my house. Wife's like, I need to use my truck. You can't fit in your car. I can't fit in my car. So I had to unload everything, right? So I packed up from his house, brought to mine, unloaded. Okay. Now, Bride calls me. We change the venues. It's now going to be at another venue. Well, cool. So the venue has all the speakers already. But I'm like, do I want to trust all their speakers? 
or should I always have backup? So again, I've already unloaded in my house. Now I got to load up again in the car. Okay. Drive to the venue, unload again. Okay. I didn't load every single thing, but I load enough because I'd set up a cocktail hour and then a reception. So now to unload, move things around, load up again, drive to his house, unload again. You know how much effort that is? And you want to get paid a thousand dollars and have to spend all night long? No, there's a cost associated with all that effort. No, so oh, it's, you know, you should charge. Somebody told me you should charge about eight hundred dollars when you get started. Hell no, I don't need eight hundred dollars. How much effort? How much effort that was? Even if but I did my own house, load on load. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I don't know why we can't get everybody to think it's worth more. I think they're afraid that if they charge more, ask for what they think they're worth or ask for more, they'll get the word no. And to them, it's about a dollar and just getting, I don't know. It's just tough, man. And there's no, go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I think one thing that could help, and and this could clear the air, hopefully. Now, you say they paid you $2,500. Now, what was it that you did to get them to pay you $2,500? How did that go? Oh, so easy. I remember making a post after another frustrating wedding again. She saw a couple of my posts about these wedding culture weddings that I was photographing and she already had a DJ booked and she con- I said if you're having a cultural wedding you need to hire a cultural DJ flat out flat out because I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of these weddings that could be great and the music is just not there and I said if you're having a cultural wedding reconsider what you're doing hire somebody who understands your culture or part of the culture okay you know this wedding was Haitian I'm not Haitian well, you know, I speak some French. I don't, I don't, I don't speak of, you know, a whole lot of Creole French, right? You know, the, the Haitian dialects. I don't understand at all. But I understand some things about it. And she loves the music I love. Well, there's some stuff that she loves. I would like, girl, you want to play this really? But she understood. So she told me, I already have a DJ booked, but I never thought about the culture side of it. I said, I'm here if you reach out to me, if you want, if you want me. Because she understands there's only so many culture DJs in the area. In the wedding space, I can say I'm probably the top two person, maybe top three, in any Caribbean lane in the wedding space. Who does this? Can't none, none of y'all ask me at a cultural wedding. It's not going to happen. It's not happening. I like that. I like that. Okay, how long have you been doing this? You're not going to outspin me at a cultural wedding because I, I'm a part of the culture. I'm West Indian. I know the music we love. Time of year dictates what you can play as well, depending on what island they're from. Or the Caribbean. Not every Caribbean island want to hear reggae. Not every Caribbean island want to hear soca. Depending on the age of the culture. So she understood when I said these things, she understood, okay, this, I'm rare to find. There's a a dime a dozen out there. That's cool. You ain't going to find nobody like me. You're not. Even when I'm playing American music, I play it differently than the average American DJ. Because I'm, I'm playing because I play it for myself. Okay? It's a selfish thing I'm doing here. I play music that make me feel good. Just so happens that the crowd likes it as well. 
That's a very interesting statement. Yes. Very interesting. So I have a question for you, Dan, in regards to that. So do you consider yourself someone that plays music solely what you like, or do you play to your crowd at all? I play what I like. Okay. And the crowd. So, okay. So I tell people, if you don't like Caribbean music, I'm not coming to play. I'm not doing the event. I don't care for it. Again, that's, that's why I'm a music enthusiast. Okay. I don't disrespect the term DJ because there's a lot goes with that. Okay. Like playing for the crowd. Okay. I'm playing. If you say, I don't like soak, I don't like dance hall. Then guess what? I'm not coming to your event. I'm not interested because at some point in the night, I'm going to play what I want to play. Okay. So if that's a problem for you, I'm not the right person for you. The stuff I'm going to play and depending on the demographic, I know what they like. They like what I like. But if you tell me exclusively, I don't want anything cultural, then find somebody else. So what you're doing is, you know, your lane and you're staying in your lane. I know lane. my lane. Yeah. And you're not going to try to get outside your lane, but you feel like you're one of the, if you're in your lane, it should, you should be able to, know what they want you're still having to reach your crowd because if what you're doing is not working you're still gonna have to change you can't just play what you like right exactly okay i I, I just want to make sure because yeah i mean yeah we all can play we like in the right lane but you know sometimes we do get we'll get knocked off that lane yeah i tell a friend of mine he complains that he can't be himself i said why can't you be yourself you're the expert behind your, 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 your turntables be yourself. If you hype, be hype. Don't, I'm not trying to cower to no client and their crowd. You have me because you like what I play. I guess I'm going to do the same thing at your event. I don't care if cultural or, again, I did a, a, a 90s, was 90s, 90s, 80s, something I did. And of course, there was dance all in the 90s. I'm going to play what I want to play. They told me, play what you want to play. I play what I want it. And guess what? They enjoyed it. One of the workers told me, man, I love the way you play music. It's different. And again, I'm not conscious of who's watching or paying attention. I'm just playing because I enjoy my music. I'm playing my headphones. Just so happens that they're dancing to it as well, or they're vibing, because not every event is meant for a party. People just want to have a good vibe at times. Yeah, that's true. And I understand that. Yeah. So I play what I want. Enjoy myself. Music in my headphones. I'm enjoying myself. Y'all chilling, y'all vibing. Let's vibe together. Yeah. <laughs> So, no. all right, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't take offense to this. It just you saying that it made me think of uh, a movie, uh, Chris Rock. It made me think of Pootie Tang. <laughs> uh, might not be something that y'all familiar with. I've probably seen it. Yeah, but the guy had made a song and there was no music. <laughs> and and they're playing the song. They said they're playing this hit. And everybody's listening. It's nothing playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody starts to dance, you know, and it's nothing playing. So it's great uh, to see your approach and that you have an approach that, hey, this is me. If you want me, this is what you get. And you're not putting on any, you know, facades and acting like you're something that you're not. Yeah. And, he's not and, saying he's the best pop DJ or the best EDM no. DJ. He knows his lane and he's staying in it. Yeah. And I like 
and and I have a better I have a better understanding now when you say that you are a music enthusiast. I see why you use that term because you don't want to be put in a box that you feel that DJs are put in when they say that they're a DJ. Exactly. I mean, think about all these weddings. You guys spin at weddings. I'm sure you have the damn near similar playlist every single week. No, I don't like to do that. That 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 drives Most me do. crazy. Most of I can, you know, you know, it's just I have to take a breather. But it ha- I can already know at least five songs. No matter what the race is, I know they're gonna play. I know they're gonna play. Yeah, and if I can say this, let me just say one thing, Jeff. You know, my perfect um, event, my perfect event is when there is no line dances played. That's perfect for me because I sometimes think that those are used as a buffer too often. And, and I look at music, there's so much music. There are so many other ways to get to point A to point B. So my perfect event is when no line dance is a play. And I feel like, man, that was great. Mm-hmm. And people are dancing. Yeah, the wedding I did, you know, she was very insistent on having line dances. And I told her, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you like the line dance song because you move it from left to right? Because I can make you move from left to right. I'm saying, and she said, but she said she really wanted this this song, and I played it at the end, at the end because no, I'm making you move left and right all night long. It's you know, it's great, great, great vibe. I'm in the middle of the dance floor with you, you know, running up and down the stairs at that venue, which I'm not a fan of, but I had to do it. But I played it at the end because she was wondering, you gonna play my song? It's coming, girl. Just chill out. <laughs> they sweating on the dance floor. Yeah. End of the night, she said, I'm so, she was sweating. She said, I'm so thankful we had you. You saved our wedding. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, that's absolutely wonderful. We all hear that. I mean, we all get our amen. But I, I'll jump on that. Just one quick thing. DJ Chocolate, I met her. She's from Birmingham. She was Ricky Smiley's DJ when he was in Birmingham. We were at a couple's retreat. She came on the mic. The first thing she said, I'm not playing. No line dances. Y'all going to dance tonight. And ever since I heard that, that has been like you, Mike, that has been my goal. If I can do an event and get away with not playing a line dance, that's what I feel. I'm, I'm going to say this. I understand what you're saying to Sean about there's certain things, but there's certain songs at weddings. Yeah, you want to mix it up, be different. But there's certain songs that everybody kind of expect to hear. That's the problem. To hear. That's, huh? the problem. that's the problem. Yeah, but I mean, no, you change them up and you do different ones and you add all the time. But the thing is, those people can't have a good time. Yeah, you can shape it all kind of different ways, but they want to have a good time and they want to sing and sing songs that they know, not something actually, you know, but with teachers, that's why we're all different DJs. Are you saying that? A crowd can't have a good time without the expected songs being played? No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is there's certain staples that they're sometimes they're going to want to sing together and, you know, sing along or grab grandmama and bring grandmama to the floor because grandmama knows that. And there's songs that touches every generation that that are just wedding somewhat staples. Yeah, you can throw in all the other new stuff, but 
sometimes they're going to want to hear some of those songs that they've always heard before. Now, if you can get away with a wedding, I've had brides give us playlists that uh, everything you think you could play, you can't play. I just got a guy right now. He said, no Bruno Mars, no this, no that. So everyone is different. So you just got to be prepared and, you know, like, I played Bruno Mars maybe once in the mix. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying, I, I got you. my clients is different, and I do what they want me to do and provide them with the music that they want to have a good time. Yeah, I'm going to play stuff that I think is good also, but at the same time, I'm going to make sure I do what my client wants while providing great mix of music. I got you, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's just, but for me, and again, this is the outsider saying this, this becomes... Here's just another regular person playing the same song every single time. And that's just it's just my perspective because it's a good perspective, but I mean I just it's just like being on the radio. Uh you're gonna have your rotation, they're gonna give you songs to play. Yeah, you don't wanna play them, but that's what your job is paying you to play. So I can't go on the radio station and change the whole radio, uh the whole uh, hourly clock when they when they are paying me to play these songs on that clock. And that's me. Um, I'm, the, I'm the one who goes and push back what's expected. Yeah, and and but that's not how it works. And you won't be in no radio station because the program director will come snatch you off the air. But, you know, or call you and say, what are you doing? Or do I need to send Johnny up there to replace you? <laughs> I have a question um, uh, for you, Tashaun. Um So we see how your view of 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 how you like to do things and and what's to be expected from you um do you consider the djs that may sometime play certain songs that are the norm uh to to be less than or do you understand that situation now i'm not talking about oh let me just add this i'm not talking about the djs that or the start and stop guys, but I'm talking about the DJs that 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 they know how to beat match, they know how to mix, whichever words you want to use. They know how to do all of these transitions, but they play some of the songs that's expected to be played. No, definitely not less than no. That that'll be disrespectful. Not at all. It's just. Again, it's my personality is very. When everybody wants to go left, I'm going right. Okay, if you expect me to play, you, you mentioned Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. I'm not playing no damn Bruno Mars. Is it place for Bruno Mars at wedding receptions? Absolutely. I hit at most of the damn weddings. I hit on a regular basis, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Okay, but when people are going to weddings, especially the guests. They hear the same songs every time. Why we feed them the same meal every single time they go to it? Why don't we say, you know, flush this. I'm going to get you some stuff that you hadn't heard in a long time. There's so many songs out there that are classics that people forget about. True. Go You're like, oh, I heard that since I graduated high school. If you're 42 years old, guess what? I'm going to hit you with all the stuff you used to dance when you was a freshman, sophomore. I'm going to hit you with all these things that make you very nostalgic to you. You hadn't heard in 20 years. Maybe I'm going to put some new stuff in there. But I'm going to hit you with all the heavy hitters that you used to bang with. Yeah. See, now right. that explains. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, now that explains more in details. What do you mean? What you, what you mean. Because I totally agree with what you're saying. 
Totally. And I have lists or playlists that I have built to that very situation that I feel like that will create emotions that, man, I used to jam to that. You know, and and I've had I've had Jeff uh, hit me and like, man, you played that song, man. I had totally forgot about that song. Yeah, yeah, in the middle so, of podcast. So <laughs> I just love. I mean, it's great to all be different, and I'm always digging, and I'm always listening, and uh, always trying to pick up new stuff. So if you're not growing, you're asleep at the wheel, and you're going, and you're finna go in the other direction or go in the ditch. But we're going to keep it moving because we can beat that horse to death. So my next question is the biggest difference between being a photographer and a DJ for a wedding is what would you say the biggest difference is? The labor involved. That's that's a huge difference to me. Like setting up, loading and unloading DJ gear, it's labor intensive. It's a lot of work. But you have gear too. Yeah, but I'm not lugging around 80 pounds worth of stuff. <laughs> so that would be your biggest That's, thing. Um, but I mean, hours wise, I thought maybe when I. Okay. You know, okay, so, now, okay. So that's one thing. The preparation for a wedding for DJ, it's a lot of effort to prepare. If you plan on having a great event. Okay. When I did this wedding again, while it was my first full wedding, uh-huh. I prepared months in advance, yo. Yeah. Again, because she's Haitian. He was Puerto Rican and Polish. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I prepared months. I'm going through everything. I'm reaching out to my Haitian friends. Um, I had a wedding shot in Jersey. I heard there's a genre called Robaday. It's part of Haitian culture. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. I knew all the, and I was like, I saw how they got down in New Jersey. I'm like, oh heck yeah, we're doing this in Dallas. But I was like, I don't know. I'm like, no, no matter what you think, girl. I mean, I saw how the Haitians reacted to this joint because I didn't know what the genre was called. So I reached out to a girl I met in uh, the wedding in Bermuda. She's um, not Bermuda, Aruba. She's Haitian. I said, hey, I heard this thing at this, this uh, wedding. It's called, it wasn't like compa. It, um, it wasn't that. What was it? She's like, you must be talking about Robodé. I'm like, what is Robodé? So I went online. I found it. I'm like, okay, add to my library. Okay. So, so I was preparing way in advance. I have a wedding. I'm helping a DJ out here. It's a cultural wedding and I'm doing it for him. I'm preparing like it's a Nigerian. While I'm not Nigerian, I have a lot of Nigerian, you know, friends and been in the culture for a while. I know a lot of the songs, but it's still stuff I still need to add to my library. Okay. While she loved dance hall and soca, cause I did a mix for them to see what they like. And they said, we love this, but I know that while a mix is great, a crowd's reaction is different. So I have to add and add and add. So I texted DJ last week. I'm like, you see what I'm doing right now? I'm working for you. Okay. <laughs> so your event goes, wasn't until September. Yes. And I'm actively doing the pre-work. So when it comes to difference, that's a, a lot of work goes in on the front end. Whereas photography work happens, some work on the front end, but the heavy works on the back end after the wedding day, after the wedding day as a DJ, you pack up, you, you, you out, you on to the next yeah. Offer now nah, that the client's still on, he's still on the clock. Yep. Yep. So I mean, I think that's a great answer for that. So Mike, what's your next question, man? I have one more question for you. And what is your meaning of preparation as a businessman? Unless you prepare, you're gonna fail. Like you have to be prepared. Okay. 
from top to bottom. I mean, your business skills has to be on point. You know, if you need help with that, find somebody who can help you. There's some things we just don't know. And at times we don't know we don't know these things because no one has told us anything different. Okay. That's why it's important to network. There's some things I things I'm doing right now in business I never dreamed about. When I got laid off January 26, 2011, if you told me I'll be flying around the world, you know, documenting weddings, I'll be spinning at weddings, officially and unofficially, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm an architect. That's that's not my lane. While I was an amateur photographer, I couldn't envision these things. But over time, I started learning about life and myself and business and acquiring some things to add to my business skills and really putting in the effort to prepare that way I don't fail. And if I do fail, I'm going to learn from it. And it'll be a costly mistake, but it's part of, I call it training, pay training. Okay. But if you don't prepare yourself for these things, you're not going to do well. And if you think you're doing well, you might need to reevaluate yourself and see what well really looks like. Okay. I always tell people when 2006, they were Palm Pilot phones, Palm Trio. People thought that was a great phone. It was cool until smartphones really came out. Oh, now I see what this can be like. But unless we prepare ourselves in our business, I mean, it's, you don't really know what you can achieve. There's so much to achieve in this, in this space. But unless you really put the time in, I think that's for me, put that time in. Hope I answered the question. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and I really like your your answer, and I appreciate again your 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 transparency. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the DJs Two DJs in a Mic podcast, the first episode, and we have Mister Tashawn Jackson on the show today, y'all. Uh, I'm not sure what what's your DJ name, Tashawn. Tashawn Jackson. <laughs> All right, Mr. Jackson. So we thought Mr. Jackson would be a great, great person to have on because uh, he's a photographer and he also dabbles into the DJ side of it. So we wanted to ask him some questions as a photographer because he probably has a totally different perspective than we do on the DJ side uh, coming from the other side being a photographer. So we wanted to try to dive into his brain and get his perspective on being a DJ uh after being a photographer. So question number one comes from me. I was like, uh, what made you want to become a DJ after being in the industry as a photographer? What made you want to dive into the DJ side? Well, it wasn't part of my plan, but, you know, growing up, I've always loved music to begin with. Like music is always my thing. I mean, the arts itself was not strange to me. I grew up, you know, drawing and painting and just music. I played the piano as a kid. I wasn't good at it. But, you know, I can still play something. If an emergency you need me to play something, I can maybe get a couple of you know, notes in there. <laughs> but it, my wife's a wedding planner, and I think it was 2014, she was doing either an anniversary or retirement something. And there was a DJ there, and I'm kind of paying attention. And before that, I used to play the drums at my church. So, again, I, I like instruments because I think when you drums, you control the you know percussion per, you control people's tempo and what they do as for talk for you, you document the moments and memories. They look back upon it. They feel good about it. So it's always part of the control thing, right? The narrative. And mm-hmm. so I'm watching the DJ and I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and I remember talking to him afterwards. He's like, 
asked about his tools he's using. He's like, yeah, get this little new mark. I'm like, cool. I went to uh, Amazon, bought me a new mark, mixed track. And again, I didn't know much about how the tools operate. I just know he had a tool and I bought it and it didn't have any um, attachments for it. It's just a USB. That's it. You could, there was no RCA. There's no nothing in there. And I was, I was practicing for a long time. I used it just, and the Periscope came out in 2015 and I would, Fridays, I would do like a Friday afternoon traffic mix. And I played live on Periscope in 2015. And after that, I started just playing more on Facebook Live before that was a thing. So, but I'm, I'm, I need to get to the meat of this. I'm going to ask you, so what at that moment, seeing him, made you think that you wanted to get into DJing? Because I like how he was playing music. Okay, so you liked how he was playing the music, how he's controlling the crowd. So that that tempted you. Okay, I can dive into this and see if I can do it. So that's what made you want to dive into it. Yeah, and because I was doing playing drums at the time, mm-hmm. it was like the percussion. I'm hearing the percussions in the music. I'm like, and people are dancing to the beat. I'm like, I can do that. And I and I'm not sure if I was even serious about it or not. I just felt like I could do it. So after talking to him and he told me what to buy, I was like. He's a DJ. He tells me to buy this. And he told me to buy the wrong board, though. <laughs> but <laughs> No, he didn't tell you to buy the wrong board. He just, is that what he was using at the time? I don't even know. He just told me, I said, what should I buy? He said, buy this Newmark mix track. Here's a, the model thing. And I guess it was cool because I learned on it. Yeah. But there was no Q button either. I don't think there was a Q feature. I couldn't really hear. It was strange. Okay. So it's in the I think it's in the garage somewhere. Okay. Like, I so do, you, so do you think he told you that because he may have felt like you were a novice? I have no idea. I mean, because I knew nothing about DJing. Um, I had friends of mine growing up; they would DJ, but I didn't show an interest in it other than my love for music. So you were in DFW in twenty at that time, right? Yeah. 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 So. Now I'm I'm gonna go three deep on you and ask this question. So why didn't you reach out to? Did you know any other DJs in the industry, like say Lance or any or? Nope. I knew. Only DJ I knew was my my, my Jamaican DJ friend who sp- spins um you know vinyl. Okay. But again, I wasn't really interested in DJing at the time. I just saw the DJ at the party. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> and yeah. And at that time, I was still newer in my photography career 2014 yeah i was i went full-time in 2013 so i was still getting my sea legs trying to get my foundation set okay all right nobody knew me in dallas Fort Worth at the time i was working outside of dfw all right well you know the good thing with this is it really gives you a better perspective you know in regards to you know, some of the things that people may hear you say and think that you are not qualified to say them. You know, when when you hear someone's backstory and see where it originated, you have a better understanding because a lot of times people don't ask questions. They just assume, you know, something. So that's that's really interesting to to hear that. Yeah. So like I said, me doing Facebook lives in 2015 and Periscope when people weren't paying attention to me, like the industry wasn't paying attention, but my friends were paying attention. 
consumers were paying attention to me. Dallas DJs weren't looking at me because they all this, they saw was me being a photographer. So I'm doing Facebook Lives. Nobody was doing Facebook Lives. Yeah, yeah, and I can identify with that because once when Facebook Live first came about, I was doing an online radio uh, show, and it was like in beta. Only certain people can do it, and we would go online for like it only allowed you to go about anywhere from five to ten minutes straight on Facebook live and it would shut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, a lot of people wasn't aware of that back then. And you're right. We definitely didn't know you were on Periscope, but, hey, but that's, that's cool. So, yeah. all right, Mike, go ahead. Okay. So my first question for you is what was your biggest obstacle in learning how to DJ? Beat matching was something I didn't know how to do. And I went to University of YouTube. <laughs> figure it out. Did you get your degree? I got my degree. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah. And when you say it was hard or or it was a problem for you, what was the problem? Just uh, not knowing. What was the problem? Just not knowing. You know, I can, again, because I understand music, I could count beats but mm-hmm. not understand the technical side or the mechanical side of actually doing it on, on the platter. Okay. Okay. So knowing where to start, knowing yes. where to stop, you yep. know, knowing how to adjust the, the tempo. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where I'm like, again, my first board, I couldn't really do much as an amateur on it because I didn't understand what things meant. And the circle things I you spin, you know, back and forth, all those buttons mean, I don't know. So when you upgraded, did it become easier? It became easier with more practice. No, I'm talking about with your next board. Did it become easier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, because <laughs> understanding, you know, this button cues the next song. I can hear it playing in my ear. The audience can't hear it or it doesn't come out of the speaker. Understanding how things starting to work became easier over time. So I have to ask this question, Mike. Let me buddy in for one yeah. second. So from the time you bought your first cr- controller, to the time you felt like you were comfortable and able to mix and could do it in front of an audience, how long did it take? The board, first of all, the first board in 2014, I didn't upgrade until 2017. I went okay. to a friend of mine. He told me, I told him the board I had. He was like, bro, no, <laughs> no. He said, you are still new? Buy this one. It was a DDG SB2, I believe. Uh-huh. He's like, mm-hmm. so at the dinner table, I went to Amazon and bought it. And that was 2017. So do you think you really started to go to school in 2017? And from that time on, how long did it actually take you to where I feel like I can DJ or I can put 10 songs together or do a mix? You know, how long did it take? I got the board, I think that spring. By the fall, I was like, they had even had the DJ competition. I felt like I've been practicing. I can compete. Okay, so within, within six months, I was like, I told myself because I've been practicing. I was re- learning. I was recording through a, um, a Zoom recorder on my computer because I wasn't paying for the pro version of Serato, so you couldn't record internally. So I was recording my mixes to kind of hear what I'm playing. I listen to it and find my mistakes, and I would do it again. So when I'm driving, I listen only listen to my my music that I recorded. So you're saying six months practicing continuously you were able to learn how to beat match and mix. 
I, I competed at a DJ competition and waxed the competition while they cheated me. I still waxed them. <laughs> yeah. And that's and, what uh, I knew. That's when I knew I could do this because these people that's doing this stuff, they're not as, it's not that hard with time. And how often did you practice? Every day. I was on my board every day practicing. Ask my wife. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing in that, Jeff, uh, is, is, you did, you did a couple of things that's vital or very important as a DJ, especially learning how to DJ. One, you practice repeatedly. Two, you recorded what you did and you went back and listened to it and you corrected those mistakes. Preach. So, so what some may not understand is those two things that you did allowed you to move in warp speed and your understanding of music as a percussionist helped you. Oh, oh my goodness. Boy, you said a mouthful right there for the, uh, for the veterans that's been doing it for 10, 12 years that haven't taken six months. We, we're going we're gonna to get great you on a scale and maybe say a year, but six months to a year to learn how to beat match. And you're a photographer. So uh, we finna get raunchy and raw. That's, it's a no excuse for the rest of those who refuse to learn how to do the one element of the craft that I feel like you need to be a DJ. So, but after that, I'm going to move on to question two. After getting a few weddings under your belt, do you still want to be a DJ? Well, for one, I'll, I'll let me set the record straight. I'm not a DJ. I'm a music enthusiast. But you've DJed and you've okay. done weddings, okay. so you are a DJ. You're, you, you, you can't take it back once you do something. You're a DJ. Can, can I please say this? Well, I just want to interject. What do you mean by being a musical enthusiast? What defined that? And how does that, uh, how does that uh, uh, bring about you being a DJ? Or how does that correlate? Okay, so for me, music is therapy, right? There's yes. times I play music, I get goosebumps. I'm jumping up, playing my music. I'm looking at my hands, there's goosebumps there. That's the love of music. I'm enthusiastic about it. DJing is like, while well, it's a technical term, for me, it's just the love I have for music. It just me, I just enjoy doing it so much. Okay. If you tell me, hey, we're having an event here, would you come play? I'll come play for free if you let me play what I want to play. Okay. You set up my stuff for me, I'll come because I don't care about the money. I'm just there because I love music so much. That's why I come. Okay. So, what you're trying to say is you kind of feel like being a music enthusiast if you come and do it because you love what you're doing and you're doing something. Uh, the ones that are getting paid, more so if we're getting paid, that's when you feel like you're more of a DJ. But if you're doing it for the love of it, you're kind of not really uh, into the DJ realm, though, right? Because yeah, I think, you know, yes, to a degree, I think calling yourself a DJ, that's like a legitimate like career. It's a real title. There's a lot that goes along with it that I might not always know this. I don't know this thing like I know my photography. Okay. But I can put music together. I can read a crowd, especially in my, my lane is the more cultural lane as well. Well, I love my nineties hip hop and RB stuff. I mean, but it's just one of those things where being a DJ, I don't want to disrespect that the industry itself, by calling myself a DJ. Okay. So, but even with that, do you still want to do it and do weddings that are in your lane, in your culture? Oh, ab- absolutely. Wonder- okay. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. right. I've only done 
one full wedding. Have I done, as a photographer, I will say I have assisted DJs at weddings. When they were bombing, I came in and rescued the party. Hmm. Cultural win. Please elaborate more on that. So, for example, had a wedding in a certain part of the country, and they had a band. The band was doing great. The wedding was a multicultural wedding, American and Caribbean. Doing the bride getting ready, she was listening to my mix. Okay? I know know music she loves, so I had a mix prepared. She's having a good time. And while the band was doing a great job, I think there are levels to a party. And doing the dinner service, I told the D, the band, I said, if you want to take this party up a notch, I have my laptop. I can connect things into the sound. We can you know, get a party to the next level. He's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, because this is a Caribbean culture here that you're not really catering to. He said, right, cool. I'll let you know when I'm, I'm shooting the reception. He comes to me. He's like, you ready to take over? I'm like, word, you ready? I said, let's go. I connected my laptop. And the party went from like a seven to like a 12. <laughs> it was so good. Like it was time for the party to be done. And they're begging. No, we need one. We want to keep going. We want to keep going. Okay. Um, and and to- as a DJ, number one thing is knowing how to reach your crowd and knowing what they want. And sometimes we don't always know that. Yeah. And again, they were doing a good job, but I understood there's levels. Yeah. Okay. Even this one here, they hired a, another DJ and my team was shooting the wedding. The, the bride hired my associate team to shoot it. I'm like, cool, I'll come in to just show up to add more value. I did some photography sporadically throughout the day here and there. And time for the reception to start. And I'm noticing his setup was just like, I had questions. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be a good party. And I'm watching. And people who, the way they knew me, they knew I do my music. And they were like, do you have your control in your car? I'm like, I do. So I'm not gonna disrespect this DJ. He's he's doing his thing. His thing is not that effective. And again, I'm respecting. He's there as the hired music person. And I said, "Bro, um, do you need some help?" He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling here." I said, "Say less. I got my stuff in the car. I go to my trunk. I pull out, bring my controller. You know, set up. And the party went from like a four to a fifteen. <laughs> so I, I understood the crowd." Yes. So let me ask you this. Uh, so do you always roll with the controller? <laughs> I usually do. Because <laughs> you never know who's in need of help. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but again, those are my first two that I've done that with. Anybody else? Yeah, there's other been weddings I'm shooting. I had to like go to my my portal and some, hey, get stuff from here. Let me help you out. Here's my Dropbox. Come on, because the, the wedding in, in Florida, the, the couple, she he came in from France, France or London, because now he's France, he's French, but the family's West Indian. And the DJ, I was like, you need to understand culture. Don't just take a wedding for the money. Understand culture if you're going to take a cultural wedding. So he had to go to my portal to get my music to really get the party elevated. Wow. So I have a follow-up for uh, for what you just said. And how, when you're approaching these guys, how, how did they respond? He was fine because if you're struggling, you know, you're struggling. If somebody gives you a life vest, you're not going to say, 
Let me go drown. Let me hang on to this lifeline real fast and, and make this party going. Yeah. And the reason why I ask that is kind of interesting because some people, they're so arrogant and so egotistical that when you approach them, you know, the look in their eyes, it's like they got fire in their eyes. And, and, and you know, the two examples that you've given us have been examples that are not from here. You know, you know they've been in different places, and I'm wondering, okay, maybe those guys have a different... No, the one was here. The one was here. Oh, one was, okay. One was, at, one was at the venue in McKinney, but okay. they had one, another one in Fort Worth. Mm. Okay. That's... Interesting. The, the DJ, it was so... He DJed the bride's dad's wedding. That's how old the DJ was. Nothing against the old oh. DJ. Okay? Nothing against, against that because okay. Okay. if you're good, really good, you're good no matter how old you are, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But the bride, she was she like she was crying. He was so bad. I said, yo, I can help you. Like, there's a playlist wow. I can have you play. He was so arrogant. He was like, no, I'm controlled. I'm, I'm like, this bride is crying. That's how sucky you are right now. Mm. Who wants to have a bride crying because she can't enjoy her music? Nobody. Nobody. I'm like, I'm giving you a lifeline that can make you look like a star. I'm not even going to do nothing. Just here. Wow. Here's a playlist. Just play this joint. Wow. It's not recorded. Wow. Mm. Yeah, but it's just one of those things. So, again, I'm not there to disrespect no professional. But if I see you sh- visually struggling, the dance floor is empty, people are complaining. <laughs> I can, I'm giving you a lifeline. It's not about me. We're all on the same team. Yeah. So what is it? So what is it about DJing that you relate to, that you relate with the most? I love a good party. Right? I love a good party. I love feeling, music makes me feel good. Again, when I'm playing and I get goosebumps, it tells me I'm doing something good. Goosebumps doesn't happen just because you're cold. Oh, no. no. No puns intended, right? <laughs> but this one was, I just love it. Yeah. I love when people are dancing, enjoying themselves. Because there's a the same DJ who, who took me to dinner, told me, told me to upgrade, upgrade my board. In 2015, that December in Barbados, while he talked about music, I've never experienced music the way he made me feel. He, he made me feel like this is how music should be played. I, it felt real. It felt good. It felt authentic. It was just perfect. That's the first time I experienced music like that before. And it was a DJ Mark Battle. I was like, well, damn. Like, DJs need to, like, take notes. Because he does things that's different than the average DJ does. And I told him, I spoke to him on Clubhouse last last December or last month. I said, hey, the first thing I did completely, I stole a page from your book. He said, what do you mean? I told him I did things that was not expected cocktail hour and doing the dinner while they play dinner music. I played hot songs, got people tapping their feet, wanted to dance while they're having dinner. I said, I'm not saving it to the end. What if they run out of time? He said, yeah, that's smart. He said, I play songs that's hot. Why you want to, you know, do it on the dance floor. You're going to do it while you eating your dinner. Mm, interesting. Interesting. There's so many hot songs out there. Why limit it to the dance floor? Get them yeah. primed while they're eating that dinner. Bowtie does a good job doing that himself. I saw him do that too. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I think Mike does that too. He says he has uh, a list that he builds too. I think it's something going. I'm gonna incorporate because you know normally I'm trying to. I don't know. It, uh, I'm gonna definitely take that under advisement, and I might just go hang out with Bowtie and see how he does things. Or Mike one of these days and check him out at the way, just yeah. see change that up. But I think I try to shape mine to whatever the couple tells me they want it to be. You know, you want to most of them. They want to save it. So, you know, you just try to do what your couple tells you. And then, yeah, go ahead. So when it comes to that, right? Like the couple I had, when we, we had, first had a conversation, I said, what do you want? Do you want to have, you want to be sweating by the night's done? You want to have a great time? Cool. That's all you want. That's all, say, that, say that to me, right? That's why you want to have a good time. You want to just make sure you can beg the venue for an extra hour. That's the type of part you want. Okay. Absolutely. Every and let me control. Let me tell me the songs that you like. I'm gonna control everything after that. I don't. I'm gonna play it when I want to play it, not when you want me to play it. You're the, the the client. I'm the professional. Okay. So I'm gonna play when I want to play it, not when you want me to play it. Yeah. Because you don't understand the music like I do. Yeah. So moving on to the next question, and you kind of hit on all of these already. So I was gonna ask you when you decided you wanted to start. Uh, DJing, where did you start? You kind of told me you started when you saw that one DJ, got your little new mark board. And the next part was the equipment music. Did you ever get another mentor besides the guy that told you to buy the uh, upgraded board or upgrade your board? Yeah, uh, Lance. Lance, In fact, Lance encouraged me to compete in the DJ battle. Okay. I sent him a text. I'm like, the battle's coming up. Should I take part? He's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know, because... The industry had never seen me before. I've only done this through my own network of people on Facebook Live. Or oh, the industry hadn't really said anything to me about it. You know what I mean? I'm, maybe they saw my lives but never commented. So I don't know. But it was my first time in public. So I was very, I was mad nervous. Like, I'm going to show up to the DJ thing. They're going to like, what the hell is he doing here? He's a photographer. But Lance really encouraged me. It, for like my first start, I would say Lance was the one person outside of Mark, who, you know, told me to upgrade, was the first one that really helped me out. And I had to reach out. Like, he sent me like a billion text messages. You know, when I have one question, that's Lance for you, though. He gives you a lot of information. He'll like <laughs> fill you up with all the information you need. Yeah. Sensory yeah. overload. Yeah, but it's cool. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But he was the one that really helped spark with that DJ battle. But since... At that point, have you reached out to others or do you have other mentors or do you um, are you picking up? I'm sure you're still picking up things as you're a photographer, but is there anybody else you're reaching out to that's helping you? Yes, the people that's helped me, Lance, Bowtie, Andre, Patrick, like like a lot of technical things. Patrick is very technical. Him and Andre, Mm -hmm. like technical questions, you know, Patrick will answer these questions. They've been like the the ones locally that's been real resourceful. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. Cool, cool, cool. So have you upgraded any equipment since the last time you bought your board? Or have you bought anything else? Or are you still I haven't bought anything else. I did my brother in law was a you know music person. He gave me a one of his boards, another pioneer. It's my backup just in case. Because I learned in photography, one is none, two is one. That's so I don't good. go anywhere without a backup of anything. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. cool. I, have, I have speakers, yeah. I have mixers. Yeah, but it's, I just learned a lot of mistakes I made in photography, even buying things 
I said, I'm not going to make those mistakes in the music space. I'm not buying things unless a client pays for it. Okay. Okay. Everything's going to be profitable from the jump. So my next question for you is, what's your inspiration in the industry? What inspires you to reach for new heights? You know, watching couples struggle with their DJ, like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a wedding photographer, especially, you know, not all cultural weddings, but just weddings in general, to watch DJs call themselves experts and knowing they don't have a clue what's happening. It sucks for the couple to, they're dancing and they got to stop for the next song to start. It's like, like you have to do better. And if you don't want to do better, I'm going to do better given the opportunity. So, so I have a follow-up and, and, and I really appreciate your transparency and your frankness and, and, and I just have to dig a little deeper in regards to when you say watching DJs and they suck, is this a common thing that you've encountered on numerous, you know, situate or in numerous situations? Do you see this often? More often than I should. Hey, explain that, please. If you, I've made several Facebook posts over the year, last year, how many weddings that I, it's just, the DJ was terrible. It's terrible. And terrible could be relative, right? For example, there's a DJ at a wedding I was at. He was playing all the right songs. Okay. And they're dancing, but because he couldn't beat match, he's playing the song all the way through. And you know, every song, it fades out. Mm. Next song has to, you know, fades in. But the music comes to an end, so the, the party stops and pauses for two, three seconds for the next song to come in. Like, why are you stopping the party? Why are you stopping the party? Keep that joint going. Keep the tempo, keep the pace, keep the excitement happening. Go to the next song. So I have to gotta jump in here on this for just a second. So when you started to learn how to DJ, you saw the importance of being able to beat, match, and mix from the beginning, right? I didn't know any other way. I'm like, Oh, when I'm dancing, I want to keep dancing. How do you, how do you keep dancing? Keep the beat going. And, and just to keep going here, diving in. So, have you ever went to a DJ? Because you can do it as a photographer. As a DJ, I would. I don't know how I would even approach them. I mean, I would do it, but I would probably be after. But have you ever gone to them and said, "Hey, man, do you not know how to beat match, or why are you DJing like this, or have you not taken the time to learn? Have you ever asked anybody that and?" And have they ever given you an answer as to why that's not important to them? October 15, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> what time was it? Fact check me. I think it was a Friday, October 15th, I believe. October 15th. <sighs> Is that a Friday? Fact check me. I'm going to fact check you. Go ahead. He, he's playing the right songs. Okay, but it was the pause for station identification. All right, let's back to the party. Party again. It's a Friday. You're right. It was a Friday. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Music's playing. Let's pause for station identification. <sighs> let's get the party going again. So I was annoyed. I, my, my second shooter at the wedding, he was like, why are you mad, bro? He said, he's, he's visually annoyed. 
Because as a photographer, it hinders what I'm doing. I'm trying to shoot the party. You have to give me a second to breathe. So afterwards, I said, I told myself, don't tell, don't talk to DJ about anything. Just let him be, let it be. But I myself couldn't let me do it. Afterwards, I said, I had a question for you, man. <laughs> I had a question. No, no disrespect. But I'm curious, why didn't you like match all the beats? You played all the right songs. You did a great, amazing job anyway. But I'm curious, why didn't you beat match anything? He's like, you know, at my age, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't do that. And I was like, why not? He said, I just never, you know, I don't, he's, he didn't say, I just, I never practiced that. And he's, I said, how do you, he's like 50. I said, bro, I'm 41. You're not that much older than me. Okay. You're not that old. 50, you're not old. Maybe to a two-year-old. I mean, but it's not that old. But he made no, he made no excuses. And I appreciated him being honest about it. He just don't know how to do it. So how did that make you feel when he said that? No, I, I appreciated that he was honest. So that was, yeah. I was like, you know what, this dude, he's honest. He was vulnerable. So I could take nothing from that or take nothing from him. Okay. But it just tells me there are more people like him out there. They exist. And they're taking people's money, selling themselves as some professional. Hey, again, there's some people getting paid top dollar and they can't mix a bowl of cereal. <laughs> But here's the thing. You don't have to, though. I mean, let's, technically, they don't have to know how to do it. Okay, they don't. They can be successful without doing it. They're being held as successful now. And they can't. They play the songs all the way through. They're on Facebook with their selfies of the crowd behind them, jumping, jumping. But people don't know, you know, hey, after two seconds, there's a long pause. <laughs> well, like I stated in a previous podcast, and like you said, if you record your set and listen to it back and visualize or you try to dance to it, you'll, you'll know. But they don't do that because they don't want to get hit with the harsh reality of this was not good. So, like I said, I issued a challenge and I'm waiting for the first DJ to tell me, hey, I took the challenge. I recorded my set live and I went back and listened to it and I was hot garbage or I killed the mood in the room because you got a great dance floor going. Next thing you know, you they gone and they, okay, yeah, I like that song. They come back. Why not take the time to learn to have a continuous flow or to learn how to one beat mix or smoother transitions? I, I just, I don't, it, it, it to me, you, I hear so many people that even venue owners, man, you kept the crowd going. You didn't let the music die down. You put it in the mix the whole time. And I just want to say, what is everybody else doing? I mean, what are they doing? I, I just don't get it. But uh. well, you know, I would say, <clears throat> unlike playing a professional sport, we have an we're in an industry that anybody can label themselves as something. And yeah, lowercase, anybody can label themselves as something and go out there and make some money and sell themselves. And you're dealing with so many people that it seems that they don't know how a DJ should be defined or looked at or what a DJ should and shouldn't do. And the amazing thing is when you get a crowd that was exposed to toxic DJing and then they get exposed to a real DJ and it's like, you know, it's like the best time of their lives. 
you know. Yeah, but we shouldn't have to hear that every weekend. And all I can think about while we're doing this interview or we're talking on this podcast is you saying you didn't know any other way. So why don't these other people know that and realize that and take six months to one year to learn how to do it? I think it's priorities. You know, for me, plus it, my personality is very different, right? Yeah. If, if I'm into something, I'm into it. I'm jumping all the way in. Okay. Doesn't mean I'm spending money on it, but I'm jumping all the way in to learn about it. That's the way I've always operated. It's a gift and a curse. My wife will tell you when he's in, when he's got his teeth in something, he's going to get it all the way through. Okay. You know, it, but it, it's just concerning that people don't care to want to learn because they feel like I'm successful enough. I don't have to, I don't have to do that way. And again, that's fine. But if you want to separate yourself from a pack, you know, but again, Hey, it's not about talent, right? They say talents, the book called talents, not, it's, it's not, talents not enough. Okay. But I want to go from good to great. And I can't do that. If I don't put in time again, when I'm driving in my car, I listen to two people play my mixes. If I'm in a real good mood, I'll listen to um, Kurt Hendershot, DJ K-Shot. He's a, he's, he's a talented DJ. That white boy can spin. I listen to stuff. Okay. But locally here, there are a lot of talent in the area. Okay. I'm not going to poop on nobody, but there's a lot of people who just aren't stepping up to the plate and doing what they should do. Okay. I mean, even on the culture side, if you put the egos aside and just learn, this is what I did last April. Okay. You know, the cocktail hour, they're playing the good, good songs, right? And I, I was introduced myself to, to DJs, you know, because I would like to meet DJs. And he's like, he's talking a good game. I'm like, it's going to be a good party because he's, he's talking himself all the way up. I'm yeah. like, okay, we got a little ego. I love it because we all have egos, right? Just got to get it checked every now and then. And the bride was, her family's Kenyan. And I think uh, Jamaican, I think. The groom was, where are they from? They're American. American and um, it was culture, bicultural, you know, multicultural wedding. And the party opens up and dude plays Fred Hammond's I Feel Good. And I'm like, so the bride looking like, your face right now was like, say what? And I was like, what is this? Fred Hammond, this ain't a Fred Hammond party, but he he was supposed to play Ferris Hammond. I feel good. Oh my god! Wow, details, details, details. Uh, good points in there. Humility, uh, <laughs> as we discussed last night. Uh, preparedness, uh, knowing your stuff, knowing your music, research. And like you said, a lot of them are just in it for the D-O-L-L-A-R. They don't care about, you know, but then they're worried about getting bad reviews and everything, but they're not putting in the work. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. But I talked to him, you know, because I said, again, when I experienced something like that, because he was, he had high moments and a lot of low moments. And I said, you know what? You did a great job here. Have you considered X, Y, Z? Because remember, cocktail hour, he was talking a lot of, like a big game doing cocktail hour. But now, now the time for the game to start. You messing up. And he finally came to me and said, I'm newer at this. I'm more of an MC. He worked for a big box store. And he's like, Yeah, I'm I'm new. Because no, he didn't have a a laptop. He didn't have a laptop. That's what he didn't have a laptop. He was using one of those boards where it's a USB plugged into it. My first thought was, 
there's no laptop here. This is going to be interesting. You can do that. I mean, you can do that, but you, you got to be really, really, you got to know your music and where it's all at and have it extremely organized because, you know, not being able to search as fast if you had a laptop. But you can do that. I, I mean, I don't know. I might have looked at it in strains too, but I know it's yeah. possible to DJ without remember, having a, yeah. Remember, I'm not an experienced DJ like you guys are. So when I see some things, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. As somebody who's real experienced, they'd be like, oh, that's very possible. You don't need a laptop to do this. I don't know these things. Yeah. So my alerts flags like, let's check this guy out. Mm-hmm. Okay. No judgment, but again, because he's talking a good game. He has all experience. But he was a newer person without much experience, even with the thing the board he's using. And he told me, yeah. And he said, because I said, you don't understand the cultural music. He's like, I don't know that type of music. Why are you why are you this word? <laughs> why the hell are you at this word and you don't know this type of music? But you know what? That's on the brides too, man. Because you're not vetting people. You just you gotta vet your DJs too. And go ahead, Mike. Sometimes they don't know, Jeff. They don't know to ask. Oh, but I mean, the DJ got to ask questions too. You can't money, money, money. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to to something now. I've learned a lot about the son in these last few minutes. Now, I promise you, he brought it up to me at the awards uh, social, Seek Social. He said, Jeff, this couple right here, I shot their wedding and you were the DJ. I guarantee you, if I didn't do a good job, Tashawn would have remembered the date, the time, the week, the month, everything, if I didn't do a good job. But he couldn't remember. It didn't pop back in his brain. But now to listen to him, I know if I would have sucked, he would have remembered that way. But that's what I'm saying. So why? I mean, you, I, man, I, hey, you're going to tell me something about what you want to hear. You're going to tell me about your culture. I mean, if I got to go buy a hundred songs to make sure I get your wedding right, I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to jack up nobody's day because I didn't take the time to learn because if you came and talked to me to Sean during that, man, I'm really nervous. I want to make sure I get this right. I did my research with the bride and the groom, but I'm still a little apprehensive because this is not completely my lane. I did my research. Hey, but if anything, you know, gets shaky tonight, hey, come back and tell me some stuff to play. I would ask, hey, man, what tracks would you jump with? You know, because I'm I'm trying to be humble. And I'm trying to do my best job. But like you said, a lot of us are not going to do that. But yeah, wow. And, and it's just... You have a different motivation. We don't know what that guy's motivation is. And I have to go back to the word that you spelled out. I think he was more concerned with the dollar and talking himself up than knowing what to do or what to ask. And, you know, and it's how many times do we encounter brides and grooms that we have to educate along the way? Because they don't know. But he came from a big box store. So he was put to the DJ. I mean, the big company that's selling, you know, it's like, it's like I almost said the DJ company name. I won't do that. You don't have to. We already know. But I'm going to tell you to you like this. They're more on quantity than quality. I mean, hey, we got 500 reviews. We get five bad ones. Who cares about four or five bad reviews? And I mean, to me, that hurts the industry more than somebody being cheap because you're out there doing something. Then, you know, they're going to think, okay, well, they don't even care. Why, you know, why does it even matter who I get? So, I mean, we, we probably have a great idea who you're talking about, but that's just. Yeah. it's quantity over quality, man. And that's just not how it works. So again, just trying to educate brides and let them know what is a good DJ or, you know, the questions to ask, are you going to ask me what kind of music or what kind of, you know, my culture, if I'm uh, from another country or, 
anything. I, I've done Tongan. I've done Colombian. So, but I'm going to find out. I'm not going to show up and, and we're going to figure it out on the fly. I'm going to know before I get there. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> yes, it is. But, it, but I'm going to ask my next question, and, and I think this question kind of goes, it relates to what we're talking about now. How do you define your work as a DJ, and how does that affect your pricing? Oh, very good question. I have my sites. I have it, you know, key for some SEO, but the stuff I've been getting lately has all been referrals, word of mouth. Yeah. Um, the wedding I did last November, it taught me that I'm not hurting to spend at nobody's wedding for a cheap price. Okay. And I got, I got paid $2,500 to DJ this wedding. Okay. And I had to load in speakers because Andre let me borrow his, his, his subs, right? Wedding was supposed to be at, can I say venue names? Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be at the OA, Dallas Oasis. Okay. So, Again, I have I have my my two tops. He said you can borrow my my subs. I have my mixers. I have my mic. He's actually borrow some more stuff. I'm like, cool. He said, come to my house, load up your wife's truck with these things. So from Andre's house, I had to load up in the truck, come back to my house. Wife's like, I need to use my truck. You can't fit in your car. I can't fit in my car. So I had to unload everything, right? So I packed up from his house, brought to mine, unloaded. Okay. Now, Bride calls me. We change the venues. It's now going to be at another venue. Well, cool. So the venue has all the speakers already. But I'm like, do I want to trust all their speakers? Or should I always have backup? So again, I've already unloaded in my house. Now I got to load up again in the car. Okay. Drive to the venue, unload again. Okay. I didn't load every single thing, but I load enough. Because I had to set up a cocktail hour and then a reception. So now to unload, move things around, load up again, drive to his house, unload again. You know how much effort that is? And you want to get paid a thousand dollars and have to spend all night long? No. There's a cost associated with all that effort. No, so oh it's, you know, you should charge somebody told me you should charge about eight hundred dollars when you get started. Hell no. I don't need eight hundred dollars. How much effort that was? Even if but I did my own house, load on load. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I don't know why we can't get everybody to think it's worth more. I think they're afraid that if they charge more, ask for what they think they're worth, or ask for more, they'll get the word no. And it, to them, it's about a dollar and just getting. I don't know. It's just tough, man. And well, there's that, no. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I I think one thing that could help, and and this could clear the air, hopefully. Now you say they paid you twenty five hundred dollars. Now, what was it that you did to get them to pay you twenty five hundred dollars? How did that go? Oh, so easy. I remember making a post after another frustrating wedding again. She saw a couple of my posts about these wedding culture weddings that I was photographing and she already had DJ booked and she can I said, if you're having a cultural wedding, you need to hire a cultural DJ flat out, flat out because I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of these weddings that could be great. And the music is just not there. And I said, if you're having a culture wedding, 
reconsider what you're doing, hire somebody who understands your culture or part of the culture. Okay. You know, this wedding was Haitian. I'm not Haitian. Well, you know, I speak some French. I don't, I don't, I don't speak a you know, whole lot of Creole French, right? You know, the, the Haitian dialects. I don't understand it all. But I understand some things about it. And she loves the music I love. Well, there's some stuff that she loved. I was like, girl, you want to play this for early? But she understood. So she told me, I already have a DJ booked, but I never thought about the culture side of it. I said, I'm here if you reach out to me, if you want, if you want me. Because she understands there's only so many culture DJs in the area. In the wedding space, I can say I'm probably the top two person, maybe top three in any Caribbean lane in the wedding space. Who does this? Can't none, none of y'all I'll spin me at a cultural wedding. It's not going to happen. It's not happening. I like that. I like that. Okay, how long have you been doing this? You, you're not going to outspin me at a cultural wedding because I, I'm a part of the culture. I'm West Indian. I know the music we love. Time of year dictates what you can play as well, depending on what island they're from. Are you, or the Caribbean. Not every Caribbean island want to hear reggae. Not every Caribbean island want to hear soca. Depending on the age of the culture, so she understood when I said these things, she understood, okay, this I'm rare to find. There's a DJ's dime a dozen out there. That's cool. You ain't gonna find nobody like me. You're not. Even when I'm playing American music, I play it differently than the average American DJ. Because I'm, I'm playing because I'm playing for myself. Okay? It's a selfish thing I'm doing here. I play music that make me feel good. Just so happens that the crowd likes it as well. That's a very interesting statement. Yes. Very interesting. So I have a question for you, Dan, in regards to that. So do you consider yourself someone that plays music solely what you like, or do you play to your crowd at all? I play what I like. Okay. And the crowd. So, okay. So I tell people, if you don't like Caribbean music, I'm not coming to play. I'm not doing the event. I don't care for it. Again, that's, that's why I'm a music enthusiast. Okay. I don't disrespect the term DJ because there's a lot goes with that. Okay. Like playing for the crowd. Okay. I'm playing. If you say, I don't like soak, I don't like dance hall, then guess what? I'm not coming to your event. I'm not interested because at some point in night, I'm going to play what I want to play. Okay. So if that's a problem for you, I'm not the right person for you. The stuff I'm going to play and depending on the demographic, I know what they like. They like what I like. But if you tell me exclusively, I don't want anything cultural, then find somebody else. So what you're doing is, you know, your lane and you're staying in your I know lane. my lane. Yeah. And you're not going to try to get outside your lane, but you feel like you're one of the, if you're in your lane, it should, you should be able to know what they want. You're still having to reach your crowd because if what you're doing is not working, you're still going to have to change. You can't just play what you like, right? Exactly. Okay. I, I, I just want to make sure because, yeah, I mean, yeah, we all can play what we like in the right lane, but, you know, sometimes we do get, we'll get knocked off that lane. Yeah, I tell a friend of mine, he complains that he can't be himself. I said, why can't you be yourself? You're the expert behind your, your, your turntables. Be yourself. If you hype, be hype. Don't, I'm not trying to cower to no client and their crowd. You have me because you like what I play. I guess I'm going to do the same thing at your event. 
I don't care if cultural or again, I did a, a, a 90s, was 90s, 90s, 80s, something I did. And of course, there was dance hall in the 90s. I'm gonna play what I want to play. They told me, play what you want to play. I play what I wanted. And guess what? They enjoyed it. One of the workers told me, man, I love the way you play music. It's different. And again, I'm not conscious of who's watching or paying attention. I'm just playing because I enjoy my music. I'm playing my headphones. Just so happens that they're dancing to it as well, or they're vibing, because not every event is meant for a party. People just want to have a good vibe at times. Yeah, that's true. And I understand that. Yep. That so I'll play what I want. Enjoy my set. Music in my headphones. I'm enjoying myself. Y'all chilling, y'all vibing. Let's vibe together. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I was just saying, don't take offense to this. It just, you saying that it made me think of uh, a movie, uh, Chris Rock. It made me think of Pootie Tang. <laughs> uh, might not be something that y'all familiar with. But, I've, I've probably seen it. Yeah. But the guy had made a song and there was no music. <laughs> And, and they're playing the song. They said they're playing this hit. And everybody's listening. It's nothing playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody starts to dance. You know, and it's nothing playing. So it's great uh, to see your approach and that you have an approach that, hey, this is me. If you want me, this is what you get. And you're not putting on any, you know, facades and acting like you're something that you're not. Yeah. And, he's not and, saying he's the best pop DJ or the best no. DJ. He knows his lane and he's staying in it. Yeah. And I like and and I have a better I have a better understanding now when you say that you are a music enthusiast. I see why you use that term. Because you don't want to be put in a box that you feel that DJs are putting in when they say that they're a DJ. Exactly. I mean, think about all these weddings. You guys spin at weddings. I'm sure you have the damn near similar playlist every single week. No, I don't like to do that. That that, that drives Most me do. crazy. Most do. I can, you know, you know, it's just, I have to <laughs> take a breather. But it ha- I can... I already know at least five songs. No matter what the race is, I know they're gonna play. I know they're gonna play. Yeah, and if <laughs> I can say this, Go let ahead. me just say one thing, Jeff. You know my perfect um, event. My perfect event is when there is no line dances played. That's perfect for me because. I sometimes think that those are used as a buffer too often. And and I look at music, there's so much music. There are so many other ways to get to point A to point B. So my perfect event is when no line dances are played. And I feel like, man, that was great. Mm-hmm. And people are dancing. Yeah, the wedding I did, you know, she was very insistent on having line dances. And I told her, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you like the line dance song because you move it from left to right? Because I can make you move from left to right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she said, but she said she really wanted this, this song. And I played it at the end. At the end, because no, I'm making you move left and right all night long. It's you know, it's a great, great, great vibe. I'm in the middle of the dance floor with you, you know, running up and down the stairs at that venue, which I'm not a fan of, but I had to do it. But I played it at the end. 
because she was wanting you gonna play my song. It's coming, girl. Just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> they sweating on the dance floor. Yeah. End of the night, she said, "I'm so." She was sweating. She said, "I'm so thankful we had you. You saved our wedding." Yeah. And that's good. I mean, that's absolutely wonderful. We all hear that. I mean, we all get our amen. But I, I'll jump on that. Just one quick thing. DJ Chocolate, I met her. She's from Birmingham. She was Ricky Smiley's DJ when he was in Birmingham. We were at a couple's retreat. She came on the mic. The first thing she said, I'm not playing. No line dances. Y'all going to dance tonight. And ever since I heard that, that has been like you, Mike. That has been my goal. If I can do an event and get away with not playing a line dance, that's what I feel. I'm, I'm going to say this. I understand what you're saying to Sean about there's certain things, but there's certain songs at weddings. Yeah, you want to mix it up, be different, but there's certain songs that everybody kind of expect to hear. That's the problem. To hear. That's, huh? the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, but I mean, no, you change them up and you do different ones and you add all the time. But the thing is, those people can't have a good time. Yeah, you can shape it all kind of different ways, but they want to have a good time and they want to sing and sing songs that they know, not something actually, you know, but that's why we all different DJs. Are you saying that? A crowd can't have a good time without the expected songs being played? No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is there's certain staples that they're sometimes they're going to want to sing together and, you know, sing along or grab grandmama and bring grandmama to the floor because grandmama knows that. And there's songs that touches every generation that that are just wedding somewhat staples. Yeah, you can throw in all the other new stuff, but sometimes they're going to want to hear some of those songs that they've always heard before. Now, if you can get away with a wedding, I've had brides give us playlists that uh, everything you think you could play, you can't play. I just got a guy right now. He said, no Bruno Mars, no this, no that. So everyone is different. So you just got to be prepared and, you know, like, like, uh, I played Bruno Mars maybe once in the mix. Yeah, um, but I'm just saying I, I got you. my but, clients but, is different, and I do what they want me to do and provide them with the music that they want to have a good time. Yeah, I'm going to play stuff that I think is good also, but at the same time, I'm going to make sure I do what my client wants while providing great mix of music. I got you, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's just, But for me, and again, this is the outsider saying this, this becomes here's just another regular person playing the same song every single time. And it's just it's just my perspective because it's a good perspective, but I mean I just it's just like being on the radio. Uh you're gonna have your rotation, they're gonna give you songs to play. Yeah, you don't wanna play them, but that's what your job is paying you to play. So I can't go on the radio station and change the whole radio, uh the whole uh, hourly clock when they when they are paying me to play these songs on that clock. And that's me. I'm the I'm the one who goes and push back what's expected. Yeah, and and but that's not how it works. And you won't be in no radio station because the program director will come snatch you off the air. But you know, or call you and say, "What are you doing?" Or do I need to send Johnny up there to replace you? <laughs> I have a question um, uh, for you, Tashan. Um, so we see how your view of 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 how you like to do things and and what's to be expected from you um do you consider the djs that may sometime play certain songs that are the norm uh to to be less than or do you understand that situation now i'm not talking about 
Oh, let me just add this. I'm not talking about the DJs that or the start and stop guys, but I'm talking about the DJs that 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 they know how to beat match, they know how to mix, whichever words you want to use. They know how to do all of these transitions, but they play some of the songs that's expected to be played. No, definitely not less than. No, that would be disrespectful. Not at all. It's just, again, it's my personality is very, when everybody wants to go left, I'm going right. Okay? If you expect me to play, you, you mentioned Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars. I'm not playing no damn Bruno Mars. Is it a place for Bruno Mars at wedding receptions? Absolutely. I hit at most of them weddings. I hit on a regular basis, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Okay? But when people are going to weddings, especially the guests, they hear the same songs every time. Why we feed them the same meal every single time they go to it? Why don't we say, you know, flush this. I'm going to get you some stuff that you hadn't heard in a long time. There's so many songs out there that are classics that people forget about. True. Go to, you're like, oh, I heard that since I graduated high school. If you're 42 years old, guess what? I'm going to hit you with all the stuff you used to dance when you was freshman, sophomore. I'm going to hit you all these things that make you very nostalgic to you. You hadn't heard in 20 years. Maybe I'm going to play some new stuff in there. But I'm going to hit you with all the heavy hitters that you used to bang with. Yeah. See, now right. that explains, Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, now that explains more in detail. What do you mean? What you, what you mean. Because I totally agree with what you're saying. Totally. And I have lists or playlists that I have built to that very situation that I feel like that will create emotions that, man, I used to jam to that. You know, and and I've had, I've had Jeff uh, hit me and like, man, you played that song, man, I had totally forgot about that song. Yeah, yeah, in the middle so, of the podcast. So I just love, I mean, it's great to all be different, and I'm always digging, and I'm always listening, and uh, always trying to pick up new stuff. So if you're not growing, you're asleep at the wheel, and you're going, in, you're finna go in the other direction or go in the ditch. But we're going to keep it moving because we can beat that horse to death. So my next question is, the biggest difference between being a photographer and a DJ for a wedding is, what would you say the biggest difference is? The labor involved. That's that's a huge difference to me. Like setting up, loading and unloading DJ gear, it's labor intensive. It's a lot of work. But you have gear too. But yeah, but I'm not lugging around 80 pounds worth of stuff. <laughs> so that would be your biggest that's, thing. Um, but I mean, hours wise, I thought maybe when I... Okay, you know, okay, so, no, okay so that's one thing. The preparation for a wedding for DJ... It's a lot of effort to prepare if you plan on having a great event. Okay. When I did this wedding, again, while it was my first full wedding, uh-huh. I prepared months in advance, yo. Yeah. Again, because she's Haitian, he was Puerto Rican and Polish. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I prepared months. I'm going through everything. I'm reaching out to my Haitian friends. Um, I had a wedding shot in Jersey. I heard there's a genre called Robaday. It's part of Haitian culture. I didn't know that. I thought, yeah. I knew all the, and I was like, I saw how they got down in New Jersey. I'm like, oh, heck yeah. We doing this in Dallas. But I was like, I don't know. I'm like, no, no matter what you think, girl. <laughs> I mean, I saw how the Haitians reacted to this joint because I didn't know what the genre was called. So I reached out to a girl I met in 
uh, the wedding in Bermuda. She's um, not Bermuda, Aruba. She's Haitian. I said, hey, I heard this thing, this, this uh, wedding. It's called, it wasn't like Kompa. It, um, it wasn't that. What was it? She's like, you must be talking about Robo Day. I'm like, what is Robo Day? So I went online. I found it. I'm like, okay, add to my library. Okay. So, so I was preparing way in advance. I have a wedding. I'm helping a DJ out here. It's a cultural wedding. And I'm doing it for him. I'm preparing. Like, it's a Nigerian. While I'm not Nigerian, I have a lot of Nigerian you know, friends and been in the culture for a while. I know a lot of the songs, but it's still stuff I still need to add to my library. Okay. While she loved dance hall and soca, because I did a mix for them to see what they like. And they said, we love this. But I know that while a mix is great, a crowd's reaction is different. So I have to add and add and add. So I texted DJ last week. I'm like, you see what I'm doing right now? I'm working for you. Okay. <laughs> so your event goes, what not till September. Yes. And I'm actively doing the pre-work. So when it comes to difference, that's a, a lot of work goes in on the front end. Whereas photography, work happens, some work on the front end, but the heavy work's on the back end after the wedding day. After the wedding day as a DJ, you pack up, you you, you out, you're on to the next. Yeah. Offer, now nah, that the client's still on, he's still on the clock. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think that's a great answer for that. So, Mike, what's your next question, man? I have one more question for you. And what is your meaning of preparation as a businessman? Unless you prepare, you don't fail. Like, you have to be prepared. Okay? From top to bottom. I mean, your business skills has to be on point. You know, if you need help with that, find somebody who can help you. There's some things we just don't know. And at times we don't know we don't know these things because no one has told us anything different. Okay. That's why it's important to network. There's some things I things I'm doing right now in business I never dreamed about. When I got laid off January 26, 2011, if you told me I'll be flying around the world, you know, documenting weddings, I'll be spinning at weddings, officially and unofficially, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm an architect. That's that's not my lane. While I was an amateur photographer, I couldn't envision these things. But over time, I started learning about life and myself and business and acquiring some things to add to my business skills and really putting in the effort to prepare that way I don't fail. And if I do fail, I'm going to learn from it. And it'll be a costly mistake, but it's part of, I call it training, pay training. Okay. But if you don't prepare yourself for these things, you're not going to do well. And if you think you're doing well, you might need to reevaluate yourself and see what well really looks like. Okay. Also people when 2006, they were Palm Pilot phones, Palm Trio. People thought that was a great phone. It was cool until smartphones really came out. Oh, now I see what this can be like. But unless we prepare ourselves and our business, I mean, it's, you don't really know what you can achieve. There's so much to achieve in this, in this space but unless you really put the time in, I think that's for me, put that time in. Hope I answered the question. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and I really like your, your answer and I appreciate again, your, your, your transparency. 